Devcast. Welcome to the 11 Devcast. How are you doing tonight, Michael Citro? I'm doing great, Johnny Ginner. Uh, how are things in the Ginter household? <laughs> They're pretty good. They're cold. Uh, I feel like I could ingest a couple dilly bars after I take some lactate pills, and yeah, I'd be I'd be sitting pretty. It's a little chilly up here in Seabus. I don't I don't know how things are going down in Florida, but man, it's 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 kind of cold. It's a little it's a little little chilly. Yeah, little we're freezing. in the we're in the forties here, which is the Ohio equivalent of the twenties. Yeah, and that's literally where we're at too. Like it's we kind of had this freak snowstorm pop up. We got about four inches of snow in the middle of November. So that's fun. Um, I actually, I, I'm a big fan of the cold weather, so I, I appreciate it. I'd appreciate it more if we'd gotten school off on Monday, but you know, it's, uh, you take what you can get. Um, speaking of taking what you can get, let's talk about the Ohio state, Minnesota game. Yeah. Uh, real briefly. This is this, by the way, just to preface all of this, this is going to be the basketball podcast. All right. It, it's Indiana week. So I think that kind of obligates us to make this a basketball podcast instead of talking about football. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about football a little bit, but uh, you know, we do need to address the, the Goldie game. Um, what were your overall impressions, Mr. Citro? Well, for those that didn't turn off the podcast when you said it was a basketball uh, <laughs> edition, uh, I would like right. to say that the, I thought my impressions of the Minnesota game were that it it was a game that Ohio State uh, appeared to have a good handle on, but the final score was not indicative of really how much Ohio State dominated. Um, almost uh, was almost 500 yards of offense, uh, fumbled the ball going into the end zone on one occasion, and, and just really, you know, gave some points away at the end. It really wasn't a close game, but you know, you look at the score and you see a one touchdown difference. I, I think Ohio State on uh, a neutral field and good weather conditions just completely obliterates the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Yeah, I mean, people are going to freak out again because of the score. I mean, I agree with that. And really, it only looked that way because of the final seven minutes of the um, of the game. And, and if you look at it, like I think this is one of those games where you have to look at it drive by drive, right? Like Ohio State really shot themselves in the foot with the ridiculous amount of just like fumbling and turn it like just the interception that was thrown there that was like you know you want them to go for it but on the other hand it's kind of a dumb decision on the road when it's cold like that like I don't feel like Minnesota had more than maybe one or two actual drives in the game and like you'll give them that they've got a really good running back um you know and and that's maybe something that I want to talk about here in a second but David Cobb did a really good job uh, I think overall Ohio State did a really good job at shutting down uh the passing game for Minnesota although that's you know, great. Like, <laughs> you know, that that's one of those really nice backhanded compliments. Um, but, uh, you know, overall, I think you're right. Ohio State definitely dominated this game a lot more than it would appear on the stat sheet, or at least in terms of the overall scoreboard. And, you know, here's the other thing that I think should be pointed out. JT Barrett had another just unbelievable game, and, and of course, it, you know, gotten all these accolades because of it. Uh, 189 yards of rushing, I was really hoping for the 200-200 game, but I'll take the 189 yards of rushing, which, by the way, I believe is more than Braxton Miller's ever had, uh, as you know, his, you know, during his time at Ohio yeah. State. Which new record? You know, I said this on Twitter: JT Barrett running in the open fields like you know a runaway golf cart, you know that nobody can really catch up with. It, looks, <laughs> it doesn't look elegant. It doesn't look like man, this guy's a video game like we do with Braxton Miller. Uh-huh. It, it's more like man, this guy's got like, you know, like the brakes are broken and he's going to crash into a tree, but <laughs> it, it works because he's got those big thick legs and he just turns them real fast and he outruns Minnesota DBs apparently. Uh, <laughs> and it's, 
you know, it, it's just, it's fun to watch. I thought he played a really, really good game. Aside from that dumb interception, I, I liked it. I liked what I saw. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. That's a good uh, analogy, the runaway golf cart. It's like you're running along beside it. You expect you're going to catch it, but then it just veers away from you a little bit. <laughs> like, you just can't quite get your hands on it. And, who and, was that guy who, who they said was the runaway beer truck? He was a fullback for West Virginia. I can't remember that dude's name. Oh, you know what? I know who you're talking about, and the, the name is escaping me right now. Um, Schmidt? Was it Schmidt? Yeah, Owen Schmidt, Owen Schmidt right? yes. Yeah, so it's yeah, so I think JT Barrett is the answer to Owen Schmidt. Instead of a runaway <laughs> beer truck, he's just a runaway golf cart. Something really top-heavy that just doesn't look very stable. But, you know, it gets where it's going, and it's fine. Um, I, I thought he did a great job. And honestly, like, his running ability is really underrated. And I hope they continue to make jokes about it. And I hope we continue to make jokes about it because people are going to continue to like, think that's a fluke. And he will just run all over dudes, and it's going to be hilarious. I hope, I'm actually uh, I hope the offensive linemen can can continue to make jokes about it. Uh, one of the offensive <laughs> linemen saying that he can run faster than JT Barrett. Uh, yeah. And, and you know that play as it developed, you talk about the 86-yard touchdown run. I just kept thinking, oh, that's nice. That's a first down. Oh, wow, he's we're at midfield. <laughs> and you know, it was almost like you could sit there and look at your watch and go, oh, that's cool. We're going to be in field goal range. Like as he continued to get down the field, and then it's like. He might actually get in the end zone. I mean, I don't think yeah, anybody like he, thought that until he got to about the 15-yard line. Then you went, he right. actually might score. Yeah, it's like you get up, you go out of the room, you get a drink, you come back in. Oh, man, JT Bear's still running? That's kind of cool. Like, <laughs> Yeah, with Braxton Miller, you know, you'd go, okay, he's gone. You know, like right. once he broke into the secondary, he's like, all right, touchdown. But with him, yeah. it was like you really didn't know it was a touchdown until he got inside the 10-yard line. Yeah. No, I, I just think part of what I think makes JT Barrett such a good runner is that he – is incredibly decisive. And a lot of times, you know, even quarterbacks are going, oh, oh no, where about? And he just like, no, screw it. This is the hole I'm going. I don't care. And, so, you know, a lot of times it works out because he has a very, very, very good sense of when to take off, right? Yes. And he has more athletic ability than most quarterbacks who stand back there. So he can make a dude miss or run through a tackle. And really as a quarterback, here's the thing. And this maybe is like my central thesis on the difference between Braxton Miller and JT Barrett. Braxton Miller's threat was always his legs first. Like teams, defenses were always more concerned about his running ability more than his passing ability. Um, if you've got a guy like that, you know, you're going to basically sell out to stop the run and, and hope that he beats you with his arm. If, if With a guy like JT Barrett, He's not the world's best passer in the history of the universe, but he's really consistent. He's really good at times, and that makes a good running ability into like a great running ability. Because if you have the ability as a, a quarterback at that with that skill set to break a tackle or to juke a dude if you have to, you only got to do it once, and then you you've got like twelve to fifteen yards right there. Mm -hmm. So like. I think his running ability might even be more dangerous, and, and you saw that on Saturday, than Braxton Miller sometime because he doesn't have to make a lot of dudes miss. He doesn't have to make every single offensive man miss like we see you know, Braxton Miller do. He just got to make one dude miss, which he can do, and then he's done. Like it's, so I really think that his running ability might even be more dangerous than Braxton's at times. What it is for me is his determination. He just uh, is yeah. a determined guy, and he's, he's both faster and stronger than he looks. So you know, a defender comes at him, and all of a sudden – he didn't take the right angle because he didn't think he was that fast. Or he maybe tried to arm tackle him because he didn't think he was that strong. And, you know, before you know it, it's <laughs> we wrong. Yeah, before you know it, it's 10, 12 yards down the field. It's another first down. I mean, all you got to do is look like every third and short when everyone in the stadium knew he was going to run the ball. 
right. kept picking up first downs, and it was it was sort of like that Illinois game a few years back when Juice Williams was doing that. We're like, oh my God, we can't stop it. We know it's coming, and we can't do anything about it. And it was the same thing, uh, same thing for JT Barrett. So great game for him. Uh, I thought it was a good game for Ezekiel Elliott. They probably could have given him the ball more, but he still got uh, what ninety some yards, I think. And uh, yeah, it was ninety one yards, uh, five point one per carry, which isn't bad. Yeah, I mean, you know. he had a nice game. I thought uh, thought the secondary played pretty well, uh, limiting the wide receivers, and um, the offensive line had a nice game. Yeah, I mean, it really, I mean, I don't know that you could really point to anybody who had a bad game, and, and people are going to, like, rag on Jalen Marshall a lot, right? And, and justifiably so. Like, you shouldn't be fumbling like that, especially giving away a touchdown, you know? Like, that's that's bad. Like going into the end zone, um, you need to you need to secure the ball. But his coach said he had the ball held correctly. I mean, the weather conditions certainly played a part. That's You know, it's harder to hold on to the ball when your arm is numb, you know? Right. Uh, and... For all you know, for the fumbles, you could talk about them all you want and say, "Oh, he almost cost us the game," but he also got 95 yards receiving, was the leading receiver, yep. and had a nice 12-yard run. And you got to take the good and the bad, and you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. <laughs> yes, I knew you were going for that. That's great. Um, so here's the thing. So Jalen Marshall, you know, I'm inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt just because he's from my hometown, but I'm also going to give him the benefit of the doubt because I prefer him over Dontre who doesn't seem to be built like Jalen Marshall will run through a tackle or, you know what I mean? Like I, I feel like Jalen Marshall is better built for this offense because he, I think he's probably a better blocker. I also think that, you know, he's just a more physical presence as a receiver and in Dontre, like it's cool if you want him to catch the ball in the backfield or do a little bump pass, but man, I don't know that I trust that guy in the open field, like to try to get clean from linebackers or something like that. I do think Jalen Marshall is capable of doing that. Now he, again, he had a lot of fumbles, but uh, you know, 95 yards you know, with that one really long one of 57 was cool. Um, it, it, I think he deserves to have that presence in the offense that it looks like they're building him up for. Yeah, and Marshall um, will be fine. He's a redshirt freshman, yeah. and you know, even That's with thing. even exactly. with Wilson, even Wilson is just a sophomore. You look at these guys, and you look at Wilson. I agree with you, kind of. He he looks like a track guy playing football. Yeah, Marshall looks like a football player. And yes. and he still has good speed. I think both are going to be very uh, electric athletes for Ohio State before their careers are over with. Yeah, and here's here's the last thing I want to say about this game because it, you know it was a fun game to watch. I really wish that the snow had accumulated on the field. I'm really mad that uh, <laughs> the Vikings paid for those heating Tesla coils or some bullcrap that they put on. That is some BS. If it's snowing, I want to see it on the field. Um, the only other comment that I, I want to talk about, or the only other thing that I want to talk about real briefly is David Cobb. David Cobb had a really good game mm -hmm. against Ohio State. Uh, 145 yards on the ground. After watching the ridiculousness that was the Wisconsin-Nebraska game, <laughs> that worry you at all for a potential Big Ten matchup? Does that make you go, oh, man, like this guy might be a Heisman contender? You know you know what I mean? Is that, is that something that bothers you a little bit? Well, you know. Or, even this weekend with Tevin Coleman. Yeah, here's what the thing is. They gave up 130-something to Langford. They gave up 140-something to Cobb, and – it almost seemed like Langford's was better than Cobb's to me because Cobb did his in a couple of drives after turnovers where it just seemed like sure. the defense didn't really respond well to those turnovers. And, right. I mean, Cobb's a good running back. Am I worried about Tevin Coleman? Sure, but I don't think that Indiana's offensive line is as good as Minnesota's. And yeah. am I worried about Gordon? Sure, but I think 
there's going to be such an emphasis on stopping him that I think it's almost one of those games where you're probably going to get a big game out of Stave, you know, if they if they play Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game and where they, they keep Gordon sort of under wraps like they did last year. Right. Um, well, and here's – But yeah. here, what really worries me about this defense is that it looks to me like it's the, – the starters are getting worn down, the starters on the defensive line I'm talking about. And yeah. if the linebackers yep. aren't gap secure in the run game or take a step the wrong direction, the defense – can give up chunk plays because I think those those linemen aren't getting where they want to go because they're a little bit worn down from from the the grind this season, especially Bosa and Bennett. Yeah, and that's and I think that's a super valid concern because it is not a super deep uh, defensive line, and I, I agree with that. I mean, they talk about after the games how tired they are, and I don't blame them. I mean, they're they're out there grinding because there isn't a whole lot behind them, and they're really good. Yeah. Um, but you're right that that is something that I think might need to be considered um yeah i'm a little concerned about gordon i'm not so much concerned about coleman but uh, you know here's the thing uh, minnesota again if not for the turnovers that game is not nearly as close and in part because their passing game is so bad mm-hmm. and wisconsin does not have a great passing game they, they really don't um they've got a couple guys who you go okay maybe you need to pay attention to them but i think if ohio state sells out and says, all right, Gordon, you're not getting anything, and tries to make uh, the quarterback beat him, then I think I think they'll be all right. Um, because Ohio State can get into a shooting contest. You know what I mean? Like, they can get into a, a blowout uh, with the team and, and see who wins and then win that, uh, which they didn't really have the luxury of doing in the years past. So I think their offense this year is good enough to the point where, as long as they slow down Gordon and not have him run for 408 yards, then they'll be all right. Um, but they need to make sure that our offense is still clicking. And, and right now it looks like they're doing pretty darn well. So, um, yeah, I'm not freaking out about it yet, but I do think this weekend is going to be a really interesting test. And if, they, if they're if they able to perform against Indiana like we, you know they should, then I think it'll be all right. I'm not too worried about the, the matchup. And, of course, that's saying nothing of the game. And, and of course, that's going to be a really crazy week. So we can... We can talk all about that later, but mm-hmm. let's move on to the to the big central thing that we wanted to get to, and that is basketball. Let's talk about basketball. Let's I talk about got a basketball Jones. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I got those basketball Jones. Uh, everybody, get up! It's time to slam now. We've got a real jam going now. Welcome to in your face, Jim. Uh, so here, so here's the deal. Uh, Ohio State's already played a game, believe it or not. How about that? Yeah. We're, we're a little, we're a little behind the times, um, because of the timing of the, the dub guess, but, um, they, they beat their first opponent by what, like 37 points, I think. So that's pretty good. Uh, they're ranked in the top 25, but I, I feel like this is a team that we know so little about. Um, just because there's so many new faces. I mean, what is your what is your take on this team overall I, right I now? I don't even know what to think of this team because we've been in what I call the <laughs> the BTN to go part of the schedule, where <laughs> right. they haven't really even been on TV yet. Was the um, first game even broadcast? The, the Walsh exhibition was not broadcast. This last one yes, was, was right. on was on the BTN.com, uh, which if you I guess paid for it you got to stream it you know that kind of thing yeah uh, and, and most years i'll i'll get it for the first month because i know that a couple of games in it's done and i could just cancel it and it's done but i didn't do that this year sure. uh, and so i didn't actually get to see them play which it's i think this was the first regular season game of theirs that i've missed in 
three years or something like that. Yeah. Um, it, it's a hard team to get a handle on. We were talking before the broadcast about, you know, how the returning players are Amir Williams, who nobody really trusted or, or would have a lot of people probably would have been happy had he just moved on um yeah. shannon scott uh is stepping into you know aaron Kraft's starting position uh, as the right. point guard and then sam thompson's another key returner but you know you lose LaQuentin ross and aaron Kraft. that's uh that's a, a pretty substantial and Len, you know lenzel smith pretty substantial amount of starts career starts you've just lost there and um, well, you lose this, the really solid defensive core of the team too. I mean, they're, they're working on yeah. zone this year, kind of by necessity. But like, man, it was it was cool to see guys like Lindell and, and Shannon Scott's no slouch defensively. He's very good defensively. But Aaron Kraft, you know, Lindell, like getting those guys on people man to man, like that was fun to watch. And I, I understand that they ne- can't necessarily do that, but like, it, it's definitely a different dynamic. This is a very, very, very different team from last year. Yeah, and it's a young team, and 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 Thad's gonna have his challenge is gonna be getting them to play the defense that his system requires. Uh, so I think you're gonna see a variety of defenses that that we haven't seen in the past. You know, usually it's just been you know man to man. You're still gonna see really good pressure on the inbounds plays, you know, because that's a Thad modest staple. Um, I'm I'm really interested to see how you know guys like Mark Loving uh, develop this year. Because he's a guy who's coming into his second year, and, and he got yeah. to play some as a as a freshman. Had some really key moments in some big games last year, uh, but then he would you know fade away and disappear in some games as well. So it'll be interesting to see can he bring it every night. And and some of these young guys, I mean, D'Angelo's the truth. He looks like the truth. Uh, oh yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this freshman class. Yeah. Oh, everybody should be excited about the freshman class. The freshman on this team. It could turn out to be, and again, we we've had freshmen who are like, this guy is going to be the bomb. dot com. Don't pan out very well. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, like our centers, especially, like we have had terrible luck with that. Um, and again, you know, like you know, maybe Amir, maybe Trey, maybe they they pull it around. You know, something happens, but I think it does say something. For instance, on the first game where you know Amir is one of the starters and then ends up playing ten minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Like so. Right. Something something should tell you there that, that this dude is, is maybe not super well-trusted. Um, <laughs> but I do think that the new guys, and D'Angelo Russell, as you said, is, is going to be really good, I think. Like, everything that you see him in the scouting tape, uh, like, the kind of shooter that I think everyone expects him to be, and not just him, but other guys on the team as well, um, I think that's the kind of thing that will really draw people to this team and maybe start to establish an identity early because this is going to be a really, uh, really hopefully an improved shooting team. I think, um, I, I think they're going to be better than last year simply because it would have been a hard to be a lot worse, mm-hmm. um, in a lot of instances. So, you know, uh, without LaQuentin Ross, I mean, really think about the offensive production that you would have seen. So I, you know, it, it, Marquette tonight, you know, it's, 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 one of those games that is really going to be a heat check for the entire team because unlike, you know, their first game, uh, you know, against UMass Lowell, uh, they're actually going to be challenged on some, some shots, mm-hmm. right? They're going to have to be expected to create their own shot. They're going to have to actually work pass a couple times. That's going to be what will actually determine, I think, who is going to be capable of, of getting things done on this offense. And Mark Loving, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think that dude has shown some flashes, and I, I really like his shot. I think it's a very natural shot. He can get himself 
in position physically and get the best possible uh, shot that he needs. So I think he's going to be a really good uh, offensive force on the team. Um, and of course, you know, you still got Sam Thompson, who's Sam Thompson, right? So slam a jamma. <laughs> yeah. So I think offensively, this team is sets up really, really well. It's going to be interesting to see how well Shannon Scott can distribute. But you know, overall, I, I'm actually really excited about this team, like a lot. Like I think they're going to be really good. Yeah, and and well, the last few years, the thing is, you we kind of knew what to expect. So the, the exciting thing sure. about this team is you don't really know what we've got, and we knew what we've had in the past. I mean, this year you've got freshmen, you've got transfers, you've got guys that have been in, the, in you know around a couple of years but haven't really blossomed yet or haven't been asked to. Um, right. We've seen a little bit of what Shannon Scott can do when his shot is falling. I mean, the the kind of shot that you know. He, guy can put up 30 points if he wants to some nights but other <laughs> right. nights other nights he could throw up 52 bricks so um yeah. it, it'll be anxious or it'll be interesting to see if he can gain consistency this year uh taking over that starter's mantle and you know gain confidence and that kind of thing it's going to be so much fun and there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs this team's going to lose games it shouldn't and it's going to probably win games that it shouldn't uh, but that's part of the fun of this. And then, you know, by the end of the year, you just hope that it's the usual Thad Mata uh, improves with every game team that, you know, is right. tough to beat down the stretch. And then when tournament time comes, you hope that they're firing on all cylinders. So that's the other thing. Like, you know, because it's such a young team, uh, I think that you are going to see them struggle, like, probably early. And especially in the Big Ten, where it's such a brutal schedule. Um, I do think the Big Ten might be a little overrated. Um, this year and, and maybe even last year, but there's still it's still an excellent conference right. overall. Um, and Iowa, you know, Iowa of all teams is now like one of the big threats. So, you know, it, the thing is, is like a lot of it is year to year, and this is like an experimental year. I don't know that they're going to be like in the top two or three of the Big Ten, but I do think that this is like the the establishment of working your way to that Big Ten championship for next year. Mm -hmm. And I think they're really going to surprise a lot of people, especially offensively, because people expecting this team to average like 50 points or something, you know, during league play or something stupid like that. I think they're going to be really surprised when you see guys making jump shots, right? Mm -hmm. Or like hitting somewhere around like 40 or 30 or 40 or 45% of their threes. So like, that's the kind of thing that is really going to make teams stand up and notice. And if they're traditionally as good defensively as Thad Mata's teams have been, they're going to be super dangerous in February and March. So I'm actually really excited to see this uh, come to fruition. And here's the other thing. What I love about Thad Mata is that it, I don't think he's like the best basketball coach in the history of the universe, but one thing I do love is his emphasis on defense and how well he gets them to play defense without fouling. That is probably one of the most remarkable things I've seen um, from a uh, from a coach mm-hmm. uh, in basketball in a long time because they play so hard defensively, but they do seem to manage uh, to avoid a lot of those big fouls. You can get young guys to buy into that and play that way. Man, that is that is huge. That is really big. So I'm I'm excited. I'm really excited about this team. Yeah, I like Thad's I like Thad's coaching ability in terms of pure coaching. You know the fundamentals of the game and how to play, and you know his system. What I think, right. where, where I think that he may fall short of, of certain high-profile coaches, is I don't necessarily think at tournament time he's always the best at getting, pushing the right buttons emotionally to make his team, you know, perform certain ways. Right. I, I think that's probably the only area that I think he's he's maybe not as good as some of the other great coaches, but I, he's certainly one of the top 
I don't know, six, eight coaches in the country in college basketball. Oh, easily. And, yeah. and you know, lucky to have them. I mean, compared to what we had at Ohio State and, and, you know, before Thad Mata, I think very, very lucky to have a guy like him. And I'm interested to see him with a guy who can come in out of the gates shooting like lights out. Like we haven't had a guy like that in a long time. <laughs> no. That, that came right in. You know, usually guys will develop after a couple of years. I mean, even even the great John Diebler was a kind of a mess his freshman year. John Diebler was god awful his freshman. <laughs> like, no, I'm serious. He was. I he was. Yeah, because I remember writing about it. Uh, this is one of the, when I first kind of started writing for Eleven Warriors, and like freshman and sophomore year, if you look at the amount of shots that he took for the versus the amount that he actually made, I think his freshman year he averaged about 27 percent on threes, something like that. Like cl- around that, 27, 28 percent on yeah, threes. Yeah, he was bad. He was he was not a he good was, shooter. incredibly bad just ungodly just awful it was just disgusting to watch him try to like pose up this is a guy who was mr basketball in the state of ohio Uh, i think set the scoring record yeah he broke a bunch of records yeah yeah which remember this is the state that you know produced lebron james so just keep that in mind so he comes in and is just horrible and then by the time he graduates his senior year He's shooting 50%. Yeah, right? down so, 10 in a row in a game. Exactly. Oh, my God. That was the greatest, <laughs> bar none. I could just reminisce about that Penn State game forever. That was the greatest game I've ever seen in my entire life. It was so funny. Um, but anyway, you're absolutely right. To have a guy come in and be a consistent shooter is such – it's so valuable. Not only because, you know, you want the points, but it's also super valuable because last year it seemed like we didn't have a guy – that we could turn to, right? Like, if we really needed a bucket, there was no way that was coming from outside. Like, somebody would have to produce something inside. Uh, Aaron Kraft would have to, like, go to the rim, do something crazy, hope it gets in. Like, that you can have a guy to kill an opponent's run, right? Mm-hmm. And just just hit a three, hit a, hit a deuce, whatever, okay, before, you know, a three-point run turns into a ten-point run. That is so valuable, and to have that, I think, kind of changes the complexion of the team. Plus a guy, also, plus a guy who can create his shot and do it. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, like Diebler was a spot-up shooter. He wasn't creating sure. his own shot, and a lot of guys are like that. But we haven't had like a like a Trey Burke type, you know, exactly. uh, who can do whatever, get his own shot, and make it. I mean, from whatever distance you really want to shoot from. And, and right. it's going to be really cool to see Thad Mata have that. Uh, at his disposal. Now I say that, and he's probably like one for five tonight, or or something like that. Um, who knows? Because we're we're taping this during the game, so yeah. <laughs> but, I can actually tell you, Michael. I will. I can spoil it for you because I know your tape. Spoiler alert! But I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna let you be. I'm gonna let you be surprised right. how the game is progressing. I will not reveal any information. What I will say though is that uh, I, I just think overall shooting begat shooting you know what i mean uh-huh. like good shooting rubs off on other dudes and bad shooting also rubs off on other dudes and and if you have a positive offensive force that does a lot for your team overall um even coming from the bench so you know i i am i'm really again really interested to see how this uh, season progresses i also want to see defensively how their approach differs from last year because it's going to be way different um you would hope that guys like amir williams and, you know, Trey McDonald are, are a little more involved or at least a little more motivated in playing defense uh, this year than they yeah, were last year. A little but, better at scoring the rock. Well, here's the thing. Like, I actually don't 
I don't know that the center anymore is even that necessary of an offensive force anymore. I, I just want to see a guy who can plug up the paint against bigger teams because it still isn't a huge team. Uh, last year was a pretty small team. This year I don't think it's much bigger. I just want some dudes who can be an opposing force. So you can counter teams like Wisconsin, right? Mm-hmm. Or or even Michigan in some cases. Like You need a guy to be a physical presence. I just want the guy to be able to run the pick and roll and catch the pass and dunk it when he's wide open. That's all I'm asking for. I'm not asking for like, you know, I'm not asking for Jared Sullinger part two. I'm just asking for catch the return bounce pass with your hands and put it in the basket. Just no one's going to be there to to defend you. Slam the thing in there and actually have it go down. I'm tired of slam dunks that don't go down. That was last year. (laughs) Last year was, was very frustrating from a dunk perspective. Yeah, we had a lot of those. That was, that was embarrassing. So anyway, I think this is going to be a really good year. We're gonna we'll go back to the uh, the Marquette game. You know when it's finished, we'll talk about it next week. But just keep that in your minds. Uh, you know, obviously with football continuing to go on and, and through December, it's not going to be at the forefront of anyone's mind. But it's still something that we should think about because this is going to be a really exciting team. And uh, yeah, I, you know, it's it's something to to definitely keep an eye on, watch on TV, cheer for, make sure the guys are getting the love that they deserve. So. That's uh, that's a little bit of basketball preview. Uh, we still have one more matter of uh, business that we need to take care of here. Yep. Which is ask us anything. Uh, Michael, can you tell our listeners how they can ask us anything? Yes, we have an email address specifically for asking us anything. You that's can, right. You can email us at dubcast at elevenwarriors dot com. Spell that all out. D u b c a s t at eleven e l e v e n warriors w a r r i o r s dot com. <laughs> Or you can hit us up on the Twitter. Johnny's Twitter handle is uh, Johnny11W. That's with the numerals, by the way. And yes. mine is 11W underscore Michael, also with the numerals and not spelled out. So that's how you can do that. All right. So our first question here is from Mr. Andrew Hare. He hit us up on Twitter. Uh, Dubcast question. Since we play IU, Indiana, who's the Big Ten football equivalent of our buddy Tom Crean? Ooh, very topical. Uh, how about nationally as well? Who is the Big Ten football equivalent of Tom Crean? Is there anyone as odious and as you know greasy and slimy as our, our good friend Tom Crean in the Big Ten football world? In the Big Ten now, there is – I don't think there is. There was our good friend Burt Bielema. Who's now in Arkansas? <laughs> yeah. I think was I think he was yeah. he had a lot of the same Crean esque qualities, um, right. you know. But I, you know, and I still think he does. Um, in the Big Ten now, man, I'd be hard to press to find one that I really kind of despise. I think that there's a chance, like that, it, there's a chance that James Franklin could turn into that maybe um, if he became a little more obnoxious. Cause he's I was got, about to say he needs to be a little more yeah, of a prima. He, he's a little because he can be a little overbearing, but not not in like you know not in a cream way, um, and right. not, not in a Bielema way. But I think if he ever like took it up a couple notches, I think he could be that guy. But uh, you know, you got Mr. Bland, Kirk Barents, you got uh, you know D'Antonio. You can't hate D'Antonio. Of course um, not. You know Gary Anderson, who even knows what he's like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Wilson, who even knows what he's like. Right. Uh, you know, it's like they're like wallpaper. They have like there's they haven't shown the personality. We haven't really seen it. Um, then you got Beckman, who's probably gone. You got Hoke, who's probably gone. Uh, yeah, the the newbies out there in in Rutgers and Maryland, they're not like that. Uh, so I, I don't think we have a Tom Crean in the Big Ten currently. I, I and I think it falls to Burt to be that guy. 
Yeah, Burt's definitely the guy nationally. The only the only thing that I would say for the Big Ten, Fitz might be that guy because he gets very testy when you know his his aura of like you know the wonder can starts to get challenged a little bit. You know, Northwestern loses four in a row. It's like, well, I'm not that, and then he makes excuses and he's kind of a little turd. Um, and I would say just in terms of sheer decadence, Kirk Ferentz is my guy just because you know again super bland, but also making you know money hand over fist that is. Probably some kind of like you know drug lord or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying he he gives off that. How that. dare you talk about the Big Ten Coach of the Year that way? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, if you're running. Um. So, uh, we got one on the email. What's the the email question you got? All right. Email question is um. Uh, this person is uh, named John Hulslander. And uh, John uh, was talking – remember last week we talked a little bit about the Neutron Man and the Superfans? Yeah, uh, right. And we educated one of our one of our uh, readers or listeners uh, who wrote in and asked about the Superfans and why he shouldn't like them. And we told them all about how they're a little sort of self-promoting and they're not really fans per se. They're, they're just kind of getting their own faces on TV. Right. And uh, John points out that, yeah, the Neutron Man – did a lot for the school and the band would host a barbecue for them every season and, and did nice things for them. And, uh, yeah, he also spoke at my commencement, which I thought was, or not commencement. What's the orientation, I guess, when yeah. you had like all 7,000 of my, my class. He paid the, it forward, uh, you know, is basically the gist right. of the email is, is what this, uh, was what John's saying. And he asks a question. Here's an ask you, and here is an ask you anything. <laughs> best non-traditional, <laughs> uh, best non-traditional band, or song or rendition he says i like that they added oh fortuna but also really like their version of play that funky music white boy in the 90s so johnny <laughs> what is your favorite band non-traditional uh song so so i take it that this is a song that you know a college band would play that isn't like some kind of like fight song or right specifically like the best damn band in the land plays it and it's not like you know across the field or or la regiment sure. or hang on sloopy that kind of thing uh, that's, that's a really good question. It is a good I, question. I like it. Yeah, I like it when they, you know, Oh Fortuna is a nice one. It's, it's a little common, you know, you, you hear that a lot, but I enjoy it. I like that they're starting to play, you know, and this is college bands in general. I like that they're playing the Game of Thrones, you know, kind of deal. It's very epic yes. in nature. Right? Yes, I'm, I'm glad you said that because that's actually, that, that was my answer. I think that Ohio State's yeah. band kills the Game of Thrones theme. Yeah. I got so but hyped. If you're an all-brass band, it makes it sound even better. Yeah. You know, like, I got really hyped when they played that when I went to the game, the Cincinnati game. I have to tell you. That. And I got to tell you something. It's also very appropriate for, like, a cold, gray, Midwest kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's a very Big Ten Winter kind of song. Winter is coming. That's right. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Like, it really does feel like that. So I'm going to go with that one. I like that one a lot. Yeah. Um. Me too. All right, so we got one more here from King of Domiti. I'm never going to forget you, King of Domiti, uh, Mr. Richie. Uh, you know, you're you're a Middletown guy. I always I always give love to my Middletown guys. Uh, so, question for the podcast: uh, Will teams and or Ohio State hang up playoff banners like basketball Final Four banners? So, in the shot, let's say Ohio State makes the Final Four this year. Okay, in the playoffs, are we going to see something in the shoe where it says Final Four 2015? That's a good question. Um, I think they should. I think they really should. Um, here's the thing. For for uh, certain events like a national championship, they're going to get – like they're going to – that thing's going to be a nice sign on the facade, right? Right. Um, for a Final Four, maybe a flag or something? Um, yeah. You know, because 
if you're Ohio State, you probably expect to be in there every couple of years at least, right? <laughs> right. A couple times a decade at so, least. So if that's the case, in like 20 years, it's just going to be nothing, yeah, but, nothing flag. but flags, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I think that they should probably commemorate it somehow, and maybe, you know, maybe it's a flag that they just keep sewing more year numbers on or something like yeah. that. I don't know. But, yeah, I think they would commemorate it some some way. I would. I, I have to think they would. Don't you? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a good question, too. I, I completely agree. I think they absolutely will, 100%. I mean, this is college football. Anything that you can do, you know, to advertise yourself, to make yourself look big, like, that's 100% going to happen. You know it'll be uh-huh. it'll be uh, commemorated at the Woody Hayes Athletic Complex. Oh, they'll sure. definitely do that. Yeah. But, I, you know, I think I think the shoe, obviously, is, like, kind of the most visible, right. you know, sign that they, they think that's a significant thing. I think they'll definitely do it. I think it will be at the shoe. And I, I also agree that it'll probably be something along the lines of, like, you know, this is – it says final four appearances, and then you'll just put up the numbers. And here's the other thing. I mean, eventually they're going to expand this thing. I think it's going to eight probably sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I, I do think that's something that's going to appear, and then they can always take it down if they change it or something else. So yeah, I think that's definitely going to be a an Ohio Stadium uh, kind of thing, and I, I hope it is because I think that's a cool deal. I, I'm I think it would be neat to to hang up one of those at the beginning of you know each next season. So yeah, I'm definitely down with that. So thanks for asking the question. Thanks for writing in. Uh, that was ask us anything, and and now we have you know we're, we we're gonna we're gonna finish up this game. Yeah, we're gonna bring in. A, a very special 11 Warriors guest to kind of break it down. So you guys, you're going to get instantaneous reaction to the Marquette game, right? So we, we talked about it, how it's going to go, how we hope these guys play. And when we we come back here, right, in like two seconds after I stop talking, <laughs> we will have an instantaneous reaction to the game uh, after it happens. So we're going to we're try a little something, a little, a little experimental, a little Art Nouveau uh, with the 11 Dub cast. <laughs> awesome. All right, joining us tonight for our instantaneous reaction to this incredible, amazing Ohio State victory, which we now know is a victory, which, you know, it's going to be a little weird if you're listening to this, I guess, because we go from the game hasn't started yet, or rather it started yet, but we don't know what's going on, and now we know exactly the outcome. So, Michael, Mike, I'm sorry, Mike Young, thank you for joining us tonight and, and giving us some, like, really, like, instantaneous feedback on yeah, the no, Ohio State Buckeye basketball team this year. No problem, guys. Good to be on. It's the first time I've been on. I don't know. It took so long. I know. Well, you know, I'm I'm bad at this. It's Johnny's and, uh, fault. It's always yeah. Johnny's fault. So right. you know, and I secretly hate you. Uh, but here's right. the thing. So for, for <laughs> so my so my first question. Uh, there is a thread on Eleven Warriors right now that is titled "I like Amir Williams." Now, is that too much Whoa. of an overreaction or not enough of an overreaction? Um. Maybe it should just be titled I, I'm accepting Amir Williams at this point. <laughs> right. The season just began. But uh but yeah, he was six six from the field. It's hard to argue with that. And my whole point with him is this year, as opposed to the last couple of years where you don't have any three point shooters around him and he's gonna get he, this year he's gonna be able to get rebounds in traffic. And there's going to be fewer guys clogging the lane for him, so he should be able to convert. And he always had trouble finishing with a ton of guys around him, uh, trying to swat at all of his shots. But this year, and you saw it tonight, he had uh, an easy, easy looks at the bucket, and he should be able to convert pretty consistently, I would hope. Yeah, one of, 
One of the things that I want to, I should mention before we get started here, Ohio State did pull out the victory, uh, 74-63. It wasn't even that close. Um, yeah, and Amir Williams looked serviceable. He was 6-for-6. Six six. He has the highest, uh, as, as Michael mentioned before we came on, he has the highest field goal percentage in the entire country, so good for him. And a lot of young guys showed their medal, too, which I think is pretty mm-hmm. cool. Which of the, the younger dudes really impressed you the most tonight? Well, obviously, D'Angelo Russell had a bit of a rough game, especially in the first half with all those turnovers. I think he had five in the first half. But yeah. uh, Jay Tate definitely jumped out. He had five rebounds and you know, just his toughness on defense will always, uh, regardless of how poorly he's playing on offense on a given night, he'll always provide tough perimeter defense that Thad Mahalo will just crave from any one of his recruits. And he he's already compared him to David Lighty, and David Lighty was up there with Aaron Kraft as the best perimeter defender that Thad Mata has had since he started at Ohio State. And probably, he was definitely more versatile than Aaron, Aaron Kraft just because of his size. But if Jason Tate is in the same mold, man, that's that's a guy that any program could use. Yeah, they. I remember there was that comment that uh, Thad had that they should put a statue up of, of uh, David Lighty. I think he said. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, Jay Sean Tate looked really good. D'Angelo Russell, it was the first time he looked like he had to work on a basketball court. And not that he's not willing to, but it looked like he's not used to doing that, not used to having to work you know, so hard. But um you know who stuck out for me, I think, was Cam Williams, 15 points, uh, game high for, for Ohio State, team high, I should say. And uh, what it, it made me think, if this guy didn't get mono last year and could have provided that kind of extra scoring that team needed, uh, what you know, what might have been last year? Uh, what were your impressions, Mike, of, of Cam Williams and also uh, some of the other newcomers, not just uh, freshmen, but also Anthony Lee in his limited time? Yeah, you can't help but feel the same way about Cam because you know, just how crazy good he is as a three-point threat. And and actually, last year, it's, at, it, at the beginning, it sounded like a joke. But towards the end of the season, the way Thad Mata used to say uh, in post game and um, quote, "I want to burn Cam's redshirt tonight." That's he, he said that multiple times <laughs> after games, and <laughs> like a he really. He, he must have meant it by the end of the year because watching that display, even if you wanted to get Cam in there for two games and now he's a sophomore, it almost would have been worth it. But no, Cam was incredible tonight and he's not a guy that needs the ball to get his shot off. And he can just, especially the way Shannon Scott was pushing the ball in transition, he can just attack the basket, float out to the perimeter and kick it to him and, He's, he was automatic tonight. But uh, besides him, uh, Anthony Lee struggled a bit. He had a couple fouls and really didn't do much outside of that um, one bucket. And he'll continue to be a work in progress. I want him to um, step out a little bit and knock down some jump shots. We didn't, And he said he's been working on that in practice. We'll see if eventually that becomes part of his game because that would be huge to have 
a guy like that off the bench, especially at his size. Yeah, well, we, you know, we were talking about Shannon Scott a little bit, and do you, I mean, 14 assists, that's a lot of assists. That is a lot, a lot of assists. Um, is that going to be the norm? And I, I mean, I can't expect him to do 14 assists every night, but is he going to be the primary distributor? Is he really going to kind of take on that role? And, and if so, how much does it help those young guys on the team? I hope he does. In the first half, it was all D'Angelo Russell trying to create things, and while obviously the threat of D'Angelo Russell shooting the ball can open up things for the offense. He, like you said, he wasn't particularly comfortable in that role. And and actually, in an AAU ball, D'Angelo Russell played with a five-star point guard, Joel Berry, plays for UNC. So I think D'Angelo Russell can find his comfort zone in working off the ball, coming off a lot of screens, and Shannon Scott initiating the offense or hopefully from this point on, 14 assists is crazy, but he almost had, I can't remember the exact total he had against UMass Lowell, but it was pretty close to that. And with the way things will slow down in Big Ten play, but hopefully, unlike years past, this team will be able to get out on the run a little bit more, and obviously Shan Scott has to be the catalyst for that. Mike, the the team tonight, uh, we talked a little bit about Mark Loving and wanting to see and being excited to see how he develops this year. Uh, He was slowed down tonight with foul trouble. I thought Mm -hmm. the game was called a little tight uh, for my liking. Uh, He played 15 minutes, still got 10 points. What do you think we'll see out of Mark this year? There were times last year where he got into a groove, very rarely, because he's billed as a guy that, and step out and hit a couple threes. And he just never consistently got there. And I think this year, since he's been thrust in the starting lineup, they're obviously seeing from uh, in practice standpoint, they're seeing his abilities knock down shots. And that's going to be key because with teams, they're going to not be so inclined to guard Amir Williams. And if you have another guy to take the pressure off, Mark Loving hitting threes is going to be huge. I mean, it remains to be seen because last year he was highly inconsistent in that area. I think he shot about 30% from three, maybe even less than that. But this year, I expect from just watching him, watching him a little bit in high school and Maybe he has the tools to be uh, mid thirties three point shooter, which will help out a ton. Another guy that I really was thinking about was uh, Bates Diop, and I I thought he was going to be like a big impact guy. It seemed like there was a lot of buzz around his recruitment, mm-hmm. but I mean, what kind of impact do you think he's actually going to make on the team? Because it seems like maybe the buzz around him has kind of fallen off a little bit. Well, yeah, when when you have a guy like D'Angelo Russell out there and and really a, a local guy, Deshaun Tate, and the toughness he brings, maybe that does take the shine off of Tater Bates day out, but I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily sleep on him. You saw the night he, uh, there's one play I remember, his only basket, he uh, slipped out and set a screen, slipped out and hit it from the left wing, and he's going he's gonna to have to make small plays like that, 
and make those count because he's going to have limited minutes, especially as Bad Mata tightens up the rotation. If he can continue to display his three-point shooting abilities, which I know he's capable of, if he does it consistently, and I can compare him to Mark Loving last year coming off the bench, that's the kind of guy we wanted Mark Loving to be. We've got consistency from, if we get consistency from Keita Bates-Diop this year, then we'll need him to be a, a good scoring threat off the bench. Now, Mike, this this team this year, um, it seems like a team that's we're going to have to kind of get through some growing pains. 18 turnovers mm-hmm. in the game, uh, but forced 16. So it's like, and yeah. then also the team shot 8 of 15, 53.3% from three-point range. This is not the Ohio State team we're used to. They can hit threes, and they're turning the ball over. So this, these are two things that Ohio State's not, you know, this we haven't seen this from Thad Mata's team in the last few years. What is what is this team going to have to do to get, you know, get the turnovers under control, but maintain their, you know, the defensive and, and all of the the three point shooting, and all of that. Yeah, it's weird. It's not the same team here. <laughs> Last couple of years, you had uh, two guys that pretty much give them the ball with ten shot clock because you're dribbling around the perimeter for twenty five seconds, and then you give them to Deshaun Thomas or. Uh, LeQuinn Ross, and they have to basically just dive to the basket and hopefully they get a foul. And that was pretty much the offense the last couple of years. But um, this year, yeah, it, it really turned around in the second half when Shannon Scott was the primary ball handler. You saw a significant drop-off in the number of turnovers. And D'Angelo Russell has some growing pains because he's a freshman. And if he's the primary ball handler, then as good as he is, you saw, you know, both sides of the coin, both sides of the coin there, where he forced a few passes or tried to do too much dribbling, but at the same time he made a few terrific passes and found some guys uh, for open three-point shots. So, I mean, you're going to get a little bit of both with this Buckeye team because Shannon Scott needs some rest, and you don't really have the go-to backup point guard off the bench, so maybe D'Angelo Russell is the primary ball handler when Chance Scott goes to the bench. But so here, okay, so here's one of the things part. that I was really. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, but I was really curious about this. This is, you know, obviously an incredibly small sample size, and it's right. kind of hard to project because you, you know, you've got such young players on the team. But what kind of noise do you think this team can make? Overall, especially going forward in this season, because it, it really seems to me like, you know, you do a lot of the recruiting in basketball. It, it seems to me like it's getting harder and harder to project basketball teams in college because there is so much of this like one and done nature. Is that what this team is? Are, are a lot of times are a lot of these guys going to be leaving at the end of the year? Or do you think this is something that's going to be working in progress for a couple of years? Yeah, you saw after Kentucky where everybody had high expectations coming into the year. And then they didn't – well, they're never going to live up to those kind of expectations with how many freshmen they have normally coming in. But then on the Final Four, they all of a sudden – or when they got to the NCAA tournament, they figured it out and got to the Final Four. Um, not saying that's what this Ohio State team will do, but um, I think maybe only D'Angelo Russell 
assuming he'll cut down on his turnovers, just natural progression of being a freshman. Uh, he has by far the most NBA talent on this team. He might not be around next year, but everyone else uh, from Batesy Op Tate, Cam Williams, is going to be huge going forward and probably work his way into starting lineup even next year, especially if D'Angelo Russell is gone. Um, and incorporating that group, Mark Loving will be a veteran next year. Incorporating that group with what they have coming in next year, that'll be a stacked team. And I hope D'Angelo Russell is a part of it. Yeah, I think I think all of those players, like, they opt, like – the future for this team looks really, really good, and and we yeah. were talking about this earlier. Like we're super excited about it. And Mike Young, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, it was really good to get your perspective, especially right after the game like that. So really appreciate you coming on a little later and, and doing this with us. No problem, guys. Good talking with you. All right, and that was the eleven Dubcast. Thanks again to Mike Young for joining us and, and giving us that instant reaction. Um, so Michael, I have a a quick question for you as as we often do uh rolling out of here uh we talked about john diebler and his ridiculous 10 three-pointer uh performance for which is my personal all-time favorite individual effort uh by ohio state basketball player my question to you is michael citra what is your favorite individual effort by an ohio state basketball player Oh, I'm going to take you back a ways, Johnny. I'm going to take you back to your, your <laughs> spent youth. Uh, I'm going to go way back, and, and it wasn't even necessarily this game. It was sort of the culmination of career, but I was there when um, the record fell and Dennis Hobson set the all-time scoring record at Ohio State. Oh, uh, nice. It was a weird mid-season, like middle of the Big Ten season game against Florida International. Like, I yeah. don't have any idea why that game was scheduled, but it was, like, <laughs> obvious that he was going to break the record. Our eternal rivals. <laughs> yeah. The so, owls. Hobson, uh, you know, he set the record. Um, Herb Williams was there uh, to sort of, like, pass the mantle onto him, and it was just a really moving moment. And if you if you were around during the Dennis Hobson era, I got to see him play, and just it, he was just an unbelievable joy to watch. He was one of those guys who could – do it all he could hit the outside shot he could drive to the basket he'd create his own shot in traffic and that kind of thing and get rebounds and putbacks and he was an amazing player and he didn't really look like an amazing player like his body type he was a really skinny guy um but uh he was one of those guys had had you know kind of a square haircut and uh uh you know didn't really look all that athletic he looked skinny and lean but he didn't look really all that athletic all the time and he was yeah. he was just a lot of fun to watch him him and him and, and jay burson both were really incredible uh guys to watch uh play basketball back in the day so uh but they were on a lot of mediocre teams too so it's nice that we have thad mata nowadays and and can generally count on 25 to 30 wins every year uh and i'm really interested to see how this season goes yeah, I am too. And and yeah, man, I I kind of wish I, you know, was old enough or at least was around to to be able to see Hobson play cuz the way guys talk about him and you know, looking at highlight reels and all that, you're like, man, that's that would have been pretty cool to have been a part of. So, I think it's a good choice. It's it's not quite John Diebler dropping, you know, a bajillion points <laughs> uh, like 10 threes in a row on Penn State, but I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. So, uh that's tonight's Dubcast. Uh thanks again for listening and yeah, we'll have to we'll have you on next week where it, things get really real. They're they're about to get very real very quickly. So uh, please please join us. Why don't you? 
Uh, and so that's it for uh, this week's Dubcast. I'm Johnny Ginner. I'm Michael Citro. And we'll see you next week. Peace. <laughs>